Hello and welcome to the Speaking for Him podcast. My name is Andrew Gomison. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is my goal each week to encourage you on this journey that we call the Christian life. And today we are going to talk about womanhood from a biblical perspective. And the reason for this is that it is Women's History Month here in the U.S. And everywhere I look, I see different things about um, encouraging women and empowering women. But I find it interesting that this is something that our culture does yearly when we have a real hard time as a culture defining womanhood. So it is a very good idea for us to go back to the source and learn what womanhood means from the one who created it, God himself. So I'm excited that you are along for this journey, and I'm excited to dig into that with you a little bit later. But first, let's talk about what is going on. This past week, there has been no shortage of controversy coming out of the NCAA Swimming and Diving Championships. University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas taking first place in the NCAA 500-yard freestyle. She is the first transgender athlete to be crowned NCAA champion, but not without controversy because critics say she has an unfair physical advantage over the other swimmers and should not have been allowed to compete. Now, second place went to University of Virginia swimmer Emma Wyant, who won a silver medal in last year's Tokyo Olympics. She's getting an outpouring of support on social media, with some calling her the true winner. And we saw, Lauren, at that medal ceremony, uh, the crowd was virtually silent when Leah Thomas was announced the, the winner, the first place winner, and yet they went crazy cheering for the second place Because winner. Leah Thompson, um, Thomas went through puberty right as as a boy she has bigger lungs bigger arms bigger hands and now she's competing against women who don't have that physically so they viewed the second place winner uh emma wyant as the first place winner i think this is a major issue for so many athletes so many parents out there who are raising athletes because the rules of the game are are changing and we're figuring out what they should be should transgender athletes have an asterisk next to their name if they win, right? Because Leah was like number 467 when she competed as a male. Now she's number one as a female. I mean, it just, it's a tough issue. And I i think it's going to be an election issue as well. And Joe Concha, so Martina Navratilova, tennis legend, came out sort of said the exact same thing. She said, maybe maybe the solution in the interim is that you say, you know, you're honoring the decisions of these transgender athletes, but you're not negatively affecting those who have worked so hard to get where they are. So maybe you put an asterisk by the name, you reserve medals, uh, you, you come up with some type of interim solution in in the gray area right now, Joe. That's that's not a bad idea at all. And if the producers just put up that full screen real quick, if you could, the first mm -hmm. uh, full screen showing the three swimmers, because yeah. that really hits home in terms of the advantage, right, uh, that, that we're seeing here. And look, my wife is a former Division One athlete, right? And look at that, guys. Uh, and, and she would tell me about the training regimen that she had to go through in terms of being on the track team at her school on top of being pre-med. It's just such an overwhelming commitment. And for these girls that are competing, knowing, knowing when they go into a competition that they're going to lose, 
because one person they're competing against has a decided physical advantage. It's a whole ball of wrong. But if you criticize this, somehow you're anti-trans somehow. Of course not. It's just a matter of asking for a level, competitive playing field. And I don't see why that's com controversial in any way. And Harris, we have parents, um, actually a, a video of them that, that spoke with Fox Digital earlier, um, and they sort of made that same point. They said this isn't really the right place to honor those decisions of transgenders because it's negatively impacting the biological females that have worked so hard. We'll play a bit. We do not support a biological male swimming in the women's championship meet against females. It is an unfair advantage. He's a human. We should respect that and what he wants to do with his life. But this isn't the place to do it. It's taken opportunity away from females that have worked very, very hard for a long, long time, even before college, to get in this position. And uh, it's just not right. So let's unpack this a little bit. First of all, as you know, on this podcast, we take the biblical view of manhood and womanhood, which comes right out of Genesis, that God created them male and female. And so if God created you male and female, he has a purpose for the gender to which he gave you. And when we say that it is okay to be transgender, we are telling God that we think that he made a mistake. And my God does not make mistakes. Despite the fact that I struggled as a teenager and believed that he had made a mistake with how I was made, I eventually came to the conclusion that he made me the way he wanted me because, again, our God is mighty and he has a purpose in all things that he does. So let's get that out of the way. But even secondarily to that... When you look at the situation of this competition, there is no fairness in what is going on. You heard it on that clip. This swimmer competed as a male for three years before his transition, okay? And he was somewhere way down the list, like 400th. I even saw one particular story where they said he was ranked as low as 700th for this particular race, 700 and something. And now he has won it. He has become the champion in this race for the whole nation in swimming. And so how can you explain that kind of change other than the fact that his competition has gone down. This is the reason why we've had different categories of competition. I, I discussed this a while back, and it's rearing its ugly head again. But basically, when you have very distinct levels of physical ability, you split them into categories that are comparable to them. Otherwise, it's not a fair fight. And that is the situation that we find ourselves in and so even if you were to be someone who has no moral qualms about the issue itself, you still, in the interest of fair sport, have to have an issue with what is going on here because it's just a travesty to see that these girls are, are being taken away from the ability to accomplish the things that they're accomplishing, 
the ability to get scholarships because someone who has the musculoskeletal structure, the biological structure of a male is dominating them in their sport. And let's not uh, kid ourselves here. The, the young lady who took second was a silver medalist in the Olympics. So we're not talking about a slouch. We're talking about someone who not only qualified for the NCAA championships in swimming and diving, but also distinguished herself on the world stage as the second best ever in her event. And she's losing to this guy who was somewhere between 400 and 700 when he performed as a male. Well, on the lighter side of things, I saw something uh, yesterday on the internet that I was just encouraged by, and I really need to share it with you. Several years ago, I had the privilege of being introduced to Lindsey Sterling, who is a dancer and a violinist, and I really like her as an artist, um, and she just seems like a really sweet person in real life as well, as you will see in this clip that I'm about to share with you. She actually uh, took the opportunity to be introduced to a YouTube sensation um, by the name of Carolina Pastinko. I'm probably butchering that somewhat. She's someone who wants to emulate Lindsay in her career as both a violinist and a dancer. We do have someone here, because we heard about your cards. We have someone here that does know Lindsay that can get the card to her. So you might be familiar with her. She also plays um, violin, and she's a YouTube sensation. She also has five hit albums. She is what we call a whole lot of woman. I love your face right now. You're like, what? I'm just going to say it. It's Lindsay Sterling. Get out of here. Two little fairies frolicking in the forest. You're so cute. Oh my God, there's a movie in here somewhere. Okay, so wait, so meet Carolina. You said that you've seen some of her videos though, right? I have seen so many of your videos and I have to say my favorite thing about watching your videos is you sparkle. You literally, even just sitting here, you sparkle. Your personality shines through so much through your performances. Thank and you. so I was like, this girl's got something special. <laughs> and I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that you remind me of me when I was a kid, but you're so much more talented. <laughs> well, she's just doing it younger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was not dancing when I was playing when I was your age. And so, anyways, it's just so nice to meet you. Oh, me too. It's so nice to meet you. I can't believe it. This, this beats the Christmas concert, right? This is, look, you got to meet her. You can give her the card yourself. Oh, that story about the card, I was like, oh, no, I feel terrible. We don't have control over what people this like that true. do, just so you know. We're the, I we did don't, not mandate yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. So wait, you, you have a surprise for Carolina, right? I do. So I wanted to give you one of my signature violins um, of your very own. Oh, so. wow. Thank which, you. Which Carolina. Thank you so much. Which Carolina, just so you know, Blake Shelton was confused, but this is also a fiddle. But he was, con he was confused, but now he knows. Yep, yep. This is beautiful. So this is your own brand, right? This is your own yes. brand? Yes. 
It's got really fine tuners on the actual pegs, make it tune easily, which you will love. Thank you and so much. I like a little sparkle that matches you. A little you. sparkle. I know. Yes. You. I know. Thank you, Lindsay. You're welcome. <laughs> and I hear that you're performing today. Yes. And, you know, I really want you to be the focus and shine, but would you mind if I joined you and of played course. with you? Yes. <laughs> I love you, Carolyn. Okay, so you are you good with that? If she plays along with of you? Of course. Oh, my God, I love I'm this. And I just love the joy in that clip for both of them uh, to be sharing their passion with one another. And I really hope that Carolina doesn't lose her joy and her innocence. And I'm thankful that Lindsay is a classy and genuine person. And I just really liked their performance as well. So I'm going to share that with you now. Um, just enjoy these two master musicians just having fun together and sharing joy with their audiences. Because that, that's one thing that comes out if you watch the full clip that I'm going to share on my blog is Carolina's desire is to travel the world and spread joy to the people that she comes in contact with through her music. And she's just a bundle of joy and it's just exciting to hear and it really encouraged me, and so I hope it's encouraged you. And here is their performance from The Kelly Clarkson Show. All right, everybody, we are back and now performing Lindsey Sterling's hit song, Guardian. Here's Lindsey Sterling and Carolina Fosenko. <laughs>
and all that. And Carolina is only 13 years old. And I, I know that not all of us, not many of us are going to be violin virtuosos or anything that seems that outwardly talented, but I hope that this encourages you to use whatever talents you have to encourage someone today. It doesn't take a whole lot, a smile, a kind word. Um, the proverb says that a kind word is like apples of gold. I think we can all learn from the motivation of this young girl to go around and spread light and positivity and happiness. And of course, the ultimate source of that is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, as I said, I want to look at womanhood from a biblical perspective because we're seeing a lot in the news, uh, especially this month, but in ongoing months about women and how they need to be empowered and how they can do anything that a man can do. And I just want to bring us back to uh, the source of women, and that is God, and look at some of the things that make women unique, because I think what gets lost in our modern culture is that God created us male and female for differences, for a specific reason, to complement one another. And so as we start this discussion, let's look at our quote of the day. And our quote of the day comes straight out of the scriptures, and that is where all of our opinions about any of our topics should ultimately come from. And here is what God says in Genesis one twenty six and 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And that is, again, from Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And what we're seeing here is that God made us in the image of him and after his likeness. Uh, We were the epitome of creation. Everything else was created by being spoken into existence. But we will read, if we were to read on to Genesis chapter 2, we know that man was created from the dust of the earth, that God formed us. He didn't speak us into existence. He formed us and then breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And the second part especially, God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. That's why when we discuss these issues of uh, sexuality and of God's plan for men and women, we need to remember that, that God created you a man for a purpose. Or if you are a woman, God created you a woman for a purpose. He doesn't make mistakes. And each of our individual characteristics as a man or a woman are meant to complement others. You know, we, we talk about the body of Christ and how... Every person in the body of Christ has different skills, but working together they make one body. And 
We often talk about that in terms of spiritual gifts, but the physical attributes that men and women have, the, the emotional attributes that men and women have are a part of this process as well. So let's look at what the Bible says about womanhood. The first thing I want to mention is that the Bible says that women were created to help men and complete creation. Here's what Genesis chapter 2 says. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them and whatsoever Adam called every living creature that was the name thereof. Now I find it interesting before I go on to the rest of the passage that we see that God says it's not good for a man to be alone and then he brings him all the animals. And at on the surface blush you might say, well, God was hoping that he would find a an acceptable help me in the animals. But we know that that's not the case. Well, I think what he was doing was helping Adam to see that there was no other creatures like him. Because as Adam's going through and naming all these creatures, Adam can clearly see that none of them are like himself. And we continue. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and all the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help me for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And that is Genesis two eighteen to 23. And I think a, a lot of... The, the strife that we have in our interpersonal relationships between men and women is because we forget the pure simplicity of passages like this. The Bible says that the woman was made for the man. Paul will say this in the New Testament, not the man for the woman. This is part of God's created order, and it's not a bad thing. God made women to be helpers for men. My life would not be nearly as rich as it is if all of my friends were men. Women give color to life. And so this is, our society would look at this passage and say this is a bad thing because, because women are in a lesser role. But actually this is an amazing thing because God looked around after he had created all the animals, after he created man, and said, my creation is not complete. And it was only after he created the woman that he said, my creation is complete. Everything is done. Now I can rest. And I think that's an amazing thought. I also think it's amazing that Adam had this attitude of gratitude that said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. And I really feel like in today's society, in marriage, we often have two individuals who consent to be married but never really become one in the most important senses of the word. And that's why we have so much pressure to divorce 
and why we have so many troubles in marriage instead of consenting to being married because you want to be together, because you want to have a team, because you have unified goals. The next thing I want to point out is that women are precious. The writer of Proverbs says says this, and this is a woman speaking to her son, so this is not in any way a male projecting on to women, but this is a mother speaking to her son about the virtuous woman through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and she says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Again, our culture desensitizes us to this because it over-sexualizes everything and makes everything about what can I get? Personal, physical gratification. And what the writer of Proverbs is saying here is that there is great value in finding a virtuous woman. And I think we as guys need to make sure that we are projecting upon women the value that God gives them and protecting their integrity and virtue at all costs. And I just want to encourage you as women to realize how utterly valuable you are in the eyes of God. He compares you to a precious jewel. Never forget that. The next point I want to bring out is women have a place of honor. Peter said this in his first epistle, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, a lot of women in today's culture will fixate on this part that says women are the weaker vessel and that's insulting to me. But can we just step back for a second and take a look at the fact that the context of this passage is that Peter is writing to husbands about the proper way to live with your wife. Get to know who they are and give honor to them as to the weaker vessel. Women are weaker, um, and there's no problem with that. It's the way that God designed it. But listen to the main thrust of this passage. The main thrust of this passage is that if a man does not properly care for his wife, his prayer life will be hindered. God's not going to listen to a man who doesn't care for his wife. And so, again, I hope that you ladies who may be listening have a proper perspective on who you are and realize that God gave you a place of honor and a place of protection with your fathers and your husbands and, to a certain extent, to your brothers if you have them. And I can tell you this, too, that to the girls that are in my friend group, I have told them many times that I feel protective over them. And I believe that this is something that God has ingrained in me as a man. Because I don't think it's something that you don't have and then one day you wake up on your wedding day and you suddenly feel protective over the one God has given you. I think it's something ingrained in the very nature of a man to protect the women in his life because that's the way that men are wired. And I really hope 
that that comes across correctly because, again, the world says that masculinity is toxic. And the reality is that it is not by nature toxic. Is there a such thing as toxic masculinity? Absolutely. But so often in secular circles, when we discuss masculinity, it's considered as if the whole thing is toxic. So, so far we've talked about how God created the woman for the man in our quote of the day. We've talked about how women are precious. We've talked about how women have a place of honor. And the third aspect that I want to talk about today is women are to be protected. Again, this comes from a passage that has some controversy attached to it. Because you can look at the beginning of the passage and you can say it says, Wife, submit unto your husbands in everything as unto the Lord. And you can say, well, I don't want to do that. Or, or if you actually believe that women should submit to their husbands, then you're misinterpreting the scripture. But I think we miss the overall context that the majority of this passage is actually written to husbands. Because there's like two or three verses for the wife and then like eight verses following for the husbands. And I want to focus on uh, the husbands today as pertains to the way that potential husbands and present husbands treat their wives. And here's what Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And that's Ephesians five twenty-five to 27. And again, as I say, we can get fixated on the one passage that says, wives submit to your own husbands. But the reality is that the main thrust of this passage is saying, Husbands, you need to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Think about how Christ loved the church. He gave himself on the cross of Calvary so that he could redeem us and make us a church. That's how much Christ loved us. And that's the command uh, that God gives to men is to love their wives in that manner. I mean, if you think about it this way, too, in another epistle, uh, Paul talks about the fact that the head of every man is Christ Uh, and the head of every woman is the man. And again, we can get fixated on the fact that you say that the head of every man is the woman, and that's oppressive, and that's horrible for society. Every kind of thing that we find ourselves in, whether it be government, whether it be the workplace, or whether it be the home, needs an authority structure. And God, in his infinite wisdom, has said for the authority structure of the home that the husband is the head of the wife. But don't miss what the earlier part of the scripture says, that Christ is the head of the husband. So that means that if you let your husband lead you, then he's accountable to Christ for what he does within that leadership. And I think it's so important for us not to miss that. Again, we can get fixated on something that we we see as oppressive, but if you look at it from the perspective of your husband's accountable to Christ for how he treats you, and then you are accountable to God for how you treat your husband, it's a chain of command. 
And it doesn't start with the husband. It starts with Christ. And so I think it's important to have that perspective. The next thing I want to mention is women have a unique ability to nurture children and run a household. Titus is an epistle where Paul is talking about doing everything proper and he's talking about major theological truths. And it can be tempting to say, well, he's dropping big theological truth and then he stops to talk about the household and then he goes back to dropping big theological truth. But I submit to you that in Titus chapter 2, when he's talking about the running of a household, it's just as important as the other theological truth. And I think you'll see, as we get to the end of this passage in Titus 2, 3 to 5, what I mean. Here's what it says. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wines, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So all of this stuff about being keepers at home, submitting to your husband, it's not out of a vindictive, oppressive view. It is so that the word of God be not blasphemed. When you choose to be this kind of example of womanhood, You are holding up the word of God as truth and telling the world that you believe it. And I have to say to the gentlemen listening, I, my prayer and hope for you is that you would be the kind of woman that would allow your wife the liberty of being that discreet, chaste keeper at home. There's so much pressure in life today to keep up with the Joneses or even to have what your parents have. And sometimes we compromise what's really important to make that happen. But I can promise you, I can promise you from the word of God that you will not regret prioritizing your family and your children. It's right here in the word, folks. And if you want to skip around it or minimize it, you can definitely have liberty to do that. That's between you and God. But this epistle of Titus works together from beginning to end to talk talk about how we need to live as blood-bought citizens of heaven. And I just want to encourage you to embrace that with your whole heart. Now, it's going to look a little different for every situation. I understand that. But I also understand that unless we're willing to make sacrifices we can't expect for change to happen. And we see a lot of chaos out there in society today, and it's because we have forgotten the blueprint of the Word of God. So my encouragement to you is to go back to the Word and to use it as your guide for life. You won't regret it. And so as we look at each of these things, I am encouraged because I know that even though things are out of control and haywire, I know that God knows what he's doing. And he set forth his plan for us, and he hasn't rescinded that plan. These things that I've talked about today are not cultural 
construct. They are beyond culture. God created us male and female. That's something that was set forth at the beginning of time. Women were created to help men because the man was not complete being alone. Now, there I know there's a lot of talk about how you have to be complete in Jesus before you can be a good husband and to make sure that you have the right priorities, and I understand that. But if Adam was not complete as a perfect man with a perfect relationship with God, what does that say about the rest of us? And then women are precious. I just want to remind you again that God created women to be the crown jewel of his creation. It was only after women had been created that the creation was complete. And so I think that you need to be grateful for how God made you and that you can be a blessing to those in your life and, Lord willing, ultimately to a husband as God brings that person into your life. The Bible says to us men that if we find a wife, we obtain favor from the Lord. I want you to remember that you have a place of honor. It's it's not a place of dishonor. It's not a place of where we can run over you and, and, and where we can make you less than. It's a place of honor and protection because you're worthy of that. And I just want to also reiterate the unique ability that someone has to be a nurturer and a keeper of the house if they are a woman. Think about this. The fact of the matter is, if you watch a sporting event and you see the athletes on the side, especially in football games, and especially when they're excited about a victory, they will wave at the camera and say, Hi, Mom. The majority of times, that's what it is. It's not, Hi, Dad. It's not, Hi, Bro. It's not, Hi, Sister. It's, Hi, Mom. Because they know the sacrifices that their mom made to make them a success. And I think there's significance in that. So please don't let anyone diminish who you are. Don't let anyone say, well, you're just a stay-at-home mom. Don't let anyone say, well, you should be doing more. Because those are largely lies of the devil. The devil does not want us to be content. The devil does not want us to rejoice in how we are made. Why is there so much confusion in the roles of men and women today? Because the devil hates the way God created us. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's doing that on the personal level for individuals. And he's doing that on the family level for families. 
And he's doing that at the societal level for societies like those of the United States of America, which are based on Judeo-Christian values. Please understand this. We must be grounded firm in the word of God because the world hates it and will do anything to dissuade us from the truth. But the good news is, Jesus says to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He told the disciples that he would be with them to the very end of the age. And we need to trust him and take him at his word. Well, that's about all I have time for this week. I hope that you've been encouraged. And if you've been encouraged, that you will share this with your family and friends. That's how more people find out about the Speaking For Him podcast. Please feel free to leave feedback for me at the end of the show. As I've often said in my sermons and on this podcast, search the scriptures and see if the things that I say are so. With that being said, I will say to you simply, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.